Legends once told of a podcast lost now in the sea of time. These ancient recordings spoke of games and the arcane art of HTML5. Today, Jeff Blair and Matt Hackett bring these words back to life. It is lost cast, and may your ears receive it. Welcome to Lost Cast, episode 122. I'm Matt. And I'm Jeff. Last week, we talked a little bit about traditional media, stuff like paper and pencils, and uh, just working with your hands. And kind of more on that topic this week, you, sir, have been working a bit on a card game, which is also embedded in the traditional media sphere. That's right. It's in the real world. Yes. IRL. What is this real world you speak of? I don't know. I don't like to Where are the out. pixels? <laughs> the <laughs> resolution is stunning. How do I code these problems away? I, I don't understand. Yeah. So when did you start working on it and how long have you been working on it? Uh, I started working on it. Let me see. It was <laughs> when my brother came to visit for some occasion. <laughs> I think it was Christmas. <laughs> oh, wow. So, A while ago then. Yeah. Was it your Christmas gift to each other? Like, I'll make you a card game for Christmas. I'll make you a card game for Christmas. I hate you. No? (laughs) Wasn't it? No. It was. That's what I expect for Christmas. So my brother came to visit for Christmas, and he stayed with Melissa and I at our house. And uh, the big nerds we are, we were, like, playing games and, like, stuff like that. And he was designing uh, a tabletop RPG, which I think he's still working on as well. Nice. So he has a group of friends in Colorado where he lives, and they all play tabletop RPGs, get a D&D or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and he wanted to make, you know, a system, um, you know, and his group was uh, willing to, you know, try out his game and be his guinea pigs for testing his Nice. His Every, everybody needs guinea pigs, right? <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know too much about his particular game because I'm not super into tabletop stuff, but... And you're a bad brother? Well, that too. That's just a given. <laughs> we should get him on the show one day and he can tell you all these horrible stories. Oh, wow. Yeah, that sounds great. That's probably a gold mine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of fodder with which to make fun of you. Mm, well, I like that. I like that. Imagine all the things that uh, your older brother did to you when you were a kid. Oh, it's particularly bad for me because I've got uh, two older brothers, right. four years senior and seven years senior, like especially the seven years plus like older brother, he's going to remember those stupid stories when I was like, I'm a little kid. I want to hang out with you. But he's like, ugh, I'm a teenager. I'm trying to be an adult. Get away. And I'm like doing really stupid things. I'm way too cool for you. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that going on. Yeah. My brother and I are three years apart. So that's not too bad. No, but I was still a jerk. You're older, right? I'm older. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the older brother is supposed to be a jerk. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of the job description. <laughs> I guess <laughs> it's on your birth certificate, <laughs> which I learned today. Your your middle name actually. It's like welcome Jeffrey Michael Blair to the world, and your job is bad brother. That's right. <laughs> also programmer and game designer, and you'll figure it out. Right. <laughs> hey, board games, card games. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so your brother came to visit, and you were a bad brother, and you guys decided to make a card game. That's yeah, basically the gist of it. That was a good podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'd, uh, my brother and I have been longtime Magic players. Yeah. And uh, and then also we, we started playing Hearthstone. Nice. And we both really like Magic, but we also both really like Hearthstone. And one of the reasons we like Hearthstone is it kind of simplifies a lot of the stuff 
in magic because you know as everyone knows magic can get really complicated and uh we definitely talked about magic versus hearthstone on another podcast but yes (laughs) uh interesting stuff so anyways we decided that we wanted to make a game a collectible card game yeah um and so we kind of started off um designing that while he was here and then uh over the course of the next couple months we kind of like uh we actually had like a a weekly skype meeting Ooh, where we that's how you do uh, it yeah, we would sync up and, and talk about cards and stuff. Um, we haven't done it that much recently. It's kind of tapered off just because um, he got busy and I got busy and, you know, stuff. Real life. Real life happens. Yeah, yeah. I understand. When were you guys meeting? Like Fr- weekend? Uh, Fridays, I think. Friday Fridays afternoons. and you just do like a Skype hangout? Yeah. Like uh, he, he would get off work about, I don't know, three or four my time, I think. He's in a different time zone. and then hmm. uh, And then we would just hang out on Skype for like an hour or so talk game mechanics it's interesting actually we kind of got a lot of the fundamental mechanics down at least to the point where we play tested it and it wasn't completely awful (laughs) and uh so now we're kind of like in this content push and that's actually kind of where it slowed down Um, interestingly enough is that um now we need to go through and make a whole bunch of content around these card game rules that we came up with yeah um, so when when you guys would hang out, would you kind of point the camera at your hands or the table, and you could actually play a game there online? Um, no, we actually didn't do any video for that. For those, we just kind of talked. I see, but you'd get together. We get that's together, when, yeah. That's and so when we like, do the actual design, and we did all of the documentation. Like basically, it was all just documentation at that point. I see. So we did a lot of like the physical stuff and like the core rule hashing out in person. Did you use uh, Google Drive for your docs? We did, yeah. And it was just straight up like a G doc, right? Like just a, you know. Well, we have several docs. One is document. like a rule book, mm. um, which is like what the players would consume. Right. Essentially, which just says, here are the rules of the game. Yeah. And then we have a design doc, which is like for us that says, you know, like here are the kind of like stat budgets for various kinds of cards. Yeah. Um, so one of the things we came up with early on was like, you know, in order for a card to cost this, like if uh, basically there's a conversion between the amount of you know currency a card costs right. and then the power that it can have. I see. So like if a card costs, and you can kind of go about it both ways. Like let's say like you know you want to make, um, you know in magic terms, you know or Hearthstone terms, you want to make like a four four giant. Right. Um. Perhaps each point of power and toughness would cost one resource point. Okay. So, yeah. like, the 4-4 uh, joint would have to cost 8-something. I see. Or not. I mean, it depends on the conversion, right? But right. that's the basic idea. I see. Or you can kind of start the other way, and you can say, like, oh, I want a 2-cost card. And for a 2-cost card, that means I can spend 1 point here and 1 point there. So, it has to be a 1-1 one, one or, a, you know, something that is equivalent. doesn't yeah. have to be a creature, necessarily. So, how should we do it? Like, I kind of want you to, like, maybe walk me through the game rules or just describe how a game would play out. Sure. Um, it's actually pretty simple. Um, there's kind of a couple... <laughs> good. Yes, I like <laughs> there, simple. There's kind of a, a one fundamental rule that we wanted to use, which was time. Like, we wanted the game to have this component where time was, like, a currency. Hmm, interesting. Um, the other thing we wanted to do um, was kind of make it more, like, structure-based. So it's kind of like um, you're building buildings instead of creatures. Hmm. Uh, it's almost like um, the the kind of driving force is that you're creating a keep over time. So the, the idea is is that um, 
you and your your opponent are both across the table from each other and you're each building a keep and you can like do things to slow down the other person's keep you can do things to destroy structures in their keep and then the win condition for the game is whoever amasses a keep with uh the most value first is the title of the game playing for keeps no but that's that's rather clever <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm sorry this is terrible, terrible. I, bet, I bet you're very proud of yourself yeah i am the game actually doesn't even have a working title. It's like, <laughs> we just refer to it as the card game. Uh, hey, that, that, that we works. should work on the card game. Yeah. Um, and so the basic gist is that there are building cards and there are action cards. And so building cards are cards that you put down in building as buildings, and then action cards are cards that you, uh, you do something with. Gotcha. They kind of modify the game world in some way. The interesting thing is that um, you draw a hand of cards from your deck, right? And then... Uh, you have essentially four building slots and four action slots. So if you picture like a two by four grid right. in front of you and on your turn, you can play an action and a building. Um, but when you play a building, uh, you play it face down and every turn it gets a counter on it for its building, you know, I see time. And then once it's reached its building cost, you can flip it over and then it's in play. And a lot of the cards center around, like you can either, hurry it up or you can remove counters from your opponent's buildings um, you can remove one you can remove several um, so when you say that you wanted time to be like a central piece in the game you didn't mean real time correct you meant like turn as a value of time like gotcha. game time yeah like game each turn is kind of like one of the core currencies nice. in the game and so uh, those currencies like you basically get them every turn and they're automatically applied essentially to all of your cards that are kind of in the right. build phase. And, uh, but a lot of the stuff you can do, uh, with like the act, the game actions revolve around modifying those things. So like adding time counters, removing time counters yeah. or. Yeah. I like that things. a lot. Um, funnily enough, magic, the gathering actually has some, I mean, it's so complex and you know, it's almost like a framework for a game. Right. And so you'll have like an expansion comes out that say, um, Around the time I started playing was when the Dark came out, and this really, <laughs> this really shows my age. Uh, but they introduced uh, these kind of moss creatures. I think it was maybe it was the Fallen Fallen Empires. But anyway, they had these kind of um, I think they were called Thralls or maybe Moss Monsters. But anyway, you'd put counters on them, and it was basically like I put this creature out, and it's terrible. But if you give it five rounds to kind of bake, by that time it'll be pretty cool. You can it can like deal damage, and you, know, you can apply some permanent counters to itself, and that kind of thing. Right, yeah. It's kind of like that, except for um, it's mandatory. <laughs> or that like, that applies to all yeah. cards. And the, when you bring something out, um, it doesn't... It's not activated until it reaches a certain number so of that, that's one part I didn't quite visualize when I'm picturing this card game playing out in my head. You said uh, a building will accumulate counters, kind of, right? And then... So, like, when... Yeah, you play it face right. down. So... And so your opponent can't see what it is while it's building, but he can modify the counter. When it's on it. face down, how do you like you as the player, the owner of that card? You just need to memorize like it needs five rounds, or I guess you could just look when you need to. Yeah, you can just look okay. if you need to. That was actually one thing we went back and forth on was whether or not the building should come into play face down or face mm. up. Um, and it's you know something we could change in the future probably. But one of the things that we found was interesting was that it kind of adds a little bit of mystery. Right. It's like, you know, oh my God, what's building over there, you know? And then when you get, when something gets to like five counters and it's not flipped up yet, you're like, what is, is it? it? <laughs> what is hmm. it? 
And uh, it's kind of interesting because then the other person has to make, you know, slightly uninformed decisions about, you know, do I reduce counters from that thing? Do I think it's terrible? Do I think it's not that terrible? Do you also have a hand? Um, So there's a lot of information hidden from your opponent. Interesting. I always thought that uh, those cards in Magic the Gathering, like I wasn't the biggest fan, but they did create some of that intensity where you're like, what is it? You know, what is that thing? Uh, And there, it gives you an opportunity too, because you could have a card where it's like, you can look at any of your opponent's, you know, buildings that are growing or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So we had cards like that too, where you could peek, you could peek at their hand, you could peek at their buildings and the buildings, they don't stay hidden, Right. right? They're only hidden for as many turns as they're constructing. Gotcha. So, you know, in kind of a real world term, you kind of think of it like, you know, you've got spies looking into your opponent's castle and like, you're like, oh, they're building a tower over there. I don't know what that's for, right. but I don't like the looks yeah. of it. <laughs> it looks rather sinister. So what is the uh, win condition? The win condition is getting to a certain amount of like total keep value. Mm. So uh, we kind of didn't want to go the magic route where like you had like hit points. Yeah. It's more about building out like a city or so or a keep. And so uh, the other thing that buildings do is once buildings are in play, they have like a value per turn that they provide. Hmm. So like, for example, like let's say there's a building called, um, you know, a vault. Okay. And the vault like takes four turns to build. So you put it in play and then the next turn it gets a counter and the next turn, the next turn, the next turn. And then when it reaches four counts, you flip it over. And then the turn after that, it starts generating value based on whatever its value is. So, like, if it had a value of five, you'd get five value points per turn at the beginning of your phase. What do you do with value points? Well, it's just a currency in the game. And so you can, basically, there's a cap. Like, once you reach some number, which I think is maybe 50, you win the game. I see. And you can also spend that currency? Sometimes. Um, It's hasn't been a currency that we've done a whole lot with but you can so you can th- there are certain types of cards that you can use to like you can convert some of your value to a game action or right. something like damage or something um which we thought was really interesting because like that's kind of taking your win condition and you're sacrificing a little bit of your you know march towards the win yeah it's kind of like, you know, in Magic, if you had um, a card that did damage to you, but did something good. I always love those cards. Like, uh, Hurricane was a green kind of, like, savior card. It would come down to yeah. literally the last round, you know? Like, you have five health, your opponent has four health, and the next turn, your opponent's going to overwhelm you because your walls are all gone or whatever. And you draw that Hurricane, and you're like, yo! It deals, you know, X damage to everything, basically. I think Hurricane's specific right. to flying. But you'd basically be like, you know, your opponent takes four damage, you take four damage, and you come out victorious. Right. Always felt really good. Yeah, those are kind of fun. Um, but yeah, I really wanted to focus on the currency conversion uh, in various ways. Nice. And so there are, you know, there are cards where you can generate current or value and and value is really not the end game term we would use it could be like wealth or whatever you know something that makes more thematic sense but value is just kind of the uh the generic term for it so there could be cards like to generate one-time value there could be cards that steal value from your opponent there could be uh, cards that convert um, some of your value to damage there could be cards that convert some of your value to time counters uh, for buildings to hurry them up yeah um, there's a lot of currency conversion options there. Interesting. Yeah. And so, um, you know, once a building is in play, it's generating, you know, buildings generate a small amount of value every turn, right? 
uh, generally. And then certain buildings are more or less valuable. So buildings that are kind of like combat focused would generally have like no value or very low value. I see. Um, and then like a building that has a lot of value would generally be like kind of weak, you know? So thematically it would be kind of like, you know, oh, we've got the bank, right? And the bank, uh, or like the, you know, the, the goblin bank is a building and the goblin bank generates a lot of value per turn, but it's really weak. Yeah. Um, and it really doesn't do anything else besides that. I just pictured Harry Potter in my head. I, right. I always yeah. love the goblins in the bank. There's something about it that was like uh, unexpected, you know, this contrast of like, what? There are these, you know, villainous creatures in this bank, a place where you expect, you know, civility and order and everything. Uh, but it also works because goblins, you can see them as being, you know, ambitious and meticulous and greedy. Miserly. Yeah, yeah. and like, they, they're like, look, it comes down to the almighty dollar. We don't care about anything else. Like, we can, you know, go pillage your village. But honestly, the most lucrative thing we can do is run a bank. <laughs> right. Like, corporate America knows it and goblins know it too. I like that. <laughs> we'll steal your money legally. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, with Uncle Sam's help or in the Harry Potter world with Uncle Harry's help? Sure. Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, you said that um, you got to the point where the content was coming out and that was what was kind of slowing it down. Yeah. Um, so we had these kind of um, almost like colors, but not really. They're more like categories uh, of cards. So like, there are commerce, there's a commerce category, and the commerce category really focuses on buildings that generate value and cards that manipulate value. And then we had like uh, another one which was warfare, I think. Mm. And warfare was like, you know, constructing buildings that did damage or had high health, but generated almost no value. And then action cards that would, you know, destroy your opponent's buildings or do damage or, you know, something like right. that. Interesting. Uh, there's also the concept of wall buildings, um, which were essentially like um, you had to attack them first. Yeah. So like if I put up uh, like a watchtower and that was considered a wall building, um, you couldn't, my opponent couldn't attack any of my other buildings until they killed that. Oh, I see. It's kind of like taunt and hearthstone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it also kind of has that hearthstone thing where like, um, you know, damage persists through rounds. Right. So, like, if you had, like, a cannon on your side and you were, like, hitting me for one damage, you know, if you're hitting one of my big buildings for one damage every turn, like, you would eventually get it down. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. That was one of those things about magic that I would guess, um, I'm talking about the, the fact that any monster will heal at the end of a turn, right? So, like, right. if there's a 5-5, five, five, you know, Mahamadi Jin in play or whatever, you, you want to, like, you nuke it with some stuff, but you only deal four damage to it next turn it's fine it's back to full health right and yeah. i think that you know that just being part of the rules you learn about it, it seems normal but uh, i think that other players might be like you know what's with this intentional addition of a healing phase uh, and i think that it probably came from the fact that it was made as a card game like a real world card game because uh, if every single piece of damage was essentially permanent that would increase the requirement for like counters and stuff you know like right. hardcore magic players will have a bag of counters and dice and all that stuff, but like it kind of killed some of the accessibility. I would think if you had to like from the very beginning, like the very first round, you put a monster. Second round, it takes damage, and already you've got to have these counters. You know what I mean? But yeah. in the digital world with Hearthstone, that's easy for them. They're like, I can keep something in memory, no problem. Yeah. So our game is kind of counter heavy, but that's okay. I think you can. Yeah, it can come okay. with a little bag of of cute little counters. Right, exactly. And they can be little, like uh, little buildings, tiny little 
like die cast or plastic buildings. And we were thinking of, um, you know, we have like double-sided counters. So like on one side, it's like a time counter. On the other side, it's a health counter. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you could use, you know, the same counters for like damage and also like the time building phases and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then there's like ways to heal your buildings. You know, you could have like, um, there's like a repair action or there's a building like a, you know, a foundry or whatever. And like it can heal one building damage per turn or who knows. Right. Um, and there's also stuff that kind of um, like uh, harmonizes together. Like I think that there was um, a tax collector building and the tax collector building would create more value per turn for you based on the number of buildings you had in play. Right. So things like that, you know, like different ways that, uh, that the game can harmonize together. So what does an attack building look like? Um, and how does that play in the game? So an attack building, you know, generally there aren't many buildings that attack directly. Buildings are kind of like uh, passive structures for the most part. Okay. And then like you'd have an action card, which would be like, you know, fire a cannon or something. I see. And the action cards actually have that time component too. So you have this bottom row, which is your buildings, and you have a top row, which is your actions. And actions generally have like a pretty low, uh, you know, turn activator. You know, but you would put down like, let's say a cannon cost one turn. You'd put down a cannon... And uh, one turn later, you'd pick, you'd turn it, or uh, you know, you'd turn it up, and then it would fire at your opponent, and then you'd say like, "Okay, I do one damage to your wall." So actions behave like buildings, where you put them down, and they right. accumulate counters before they fire off. Yes. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, I was in my head. I'm kind of, uh, you know, I, I use everything as a template. I'm trying to understand, so I use um, mentally. I'm picturing Hearthstone and Magic the Gathering, but I was picturing uh, sorcery equivalent. You know. Right. Uh, but there are no instant casts in this game. I see. So, like, on your opponent's turn, you're you're not doing anything. No, nothing. I gotta say, I kind of prefer that, I want to say. Um, I think Hearthstone... I don't think Hearthstone has any kind of, like, it's, you know, my opponent's nope. turn and I can do stuff. The only thing in Hearthstone that can happen for you on your opponent's turn is if you have what's called secrets. And secrets are cards that you play on your turn and they go essentially face down. And they have some condition. Hmm. Like, for example, there's a mage card that says, um, you know, when I get attacked, um, destroy this creature. I see. Interesting. And your opponent can see that you have a secret down on the board. Yeah, they put down a booby trap, but they don't know what it is. Exactly. So they need to be cautious. A smart player would say like, okay, I'm fighting a mage, and I know that the mage has these kinds of secrets. Yeah. So it could be this one. So I'm going to attack with this like crappy 1-1 one, one that I don't care about losing first. You know, because like a lot of people would be like, I'm going to hit you with my 8-8 eight, eight right away. And then if you just... Fall you know, into the trap. Rent, yeah, fall into the trap and like then the mage kills your 8-8 eight, eight, and you're like, ah, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You kind of want to bait it out. Uh, I right. used to do that with Magic the Gathering. You'd have a big creature, but you know, you know that um, your opponent has a card like, you know, remove target attacking creature from the game. And you're like, <laughs> do not want... Right. Um, but yeah, you can like basically set traps on your turn, but you have no control over anything once your opponent's turn has started. I see. So like they can trigger your traps based on their actions, uh, but you can't, there's no play stoppage that you can do. I see. And so we, we like that a lot. Um, I think it has a lot of advantages. It keeps the game, the pace of the game going. Um, you don't get into like these really like kind of rule uh heavy situations where you're like okay well you cast that and then you counterspelled it but then you whatever the counterspell <laughs> so like what order does blah, 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 blah. yeah it, it gets a little heavy-handed 
Uh, it's a sign that it was too complicated because like when I was growing up, my friends and I were were like, we play a lot. We were basically expert players because we played so much and knew all these cards and stuff, but we still had a buddy that we would call whenever we would get into certain (laughs) situations because it got so crazy with the interrupts and the stacking and this card explicitly says that it messes with the flow and like blah. And a lot of times like those complicated interactions would come down to like, you know, I don't really care. It's just a game. Like we can just kind of wing the rules. But like a lot of times it would come down to this is the final round. Like the, the winner of this outcome wins the game. So it does start to matter a bit. Right. And then obviously uh, most of the people arguing have some kind of bias in the sense that like they want to win. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so a lot of people are like, well, no, I don't think that you just takes precedence because that's bad for me. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I always thought that was a funny game because it's one of these games that like I was really happy just playing and not like there's no progression. You know, if I go and I play my buddy and I win three times in a row, I don't get anything. I don't have any numbers. I don't have any achievements. I got no badges. It's just it was just the feeling that you had in your head. You well, know? I think it, it's interesting because as far as I understand, the core rule set of magic was developed with antis. Antis. So whenever oh, yeah. you play a game, like you would <laughs> ante a card, right? So essentially you were, right? Every time you were playing a game, you were supposed to win a card from your opponent. I remember that. That was so brief. People hated that. Yes. And I remember reading that in the act, because like uh, the revised edition, when I first started playing, they came with these big fat rule books, you know? I remember reading that, and uh, when my friends and I first started playing, and my brother, my oldest brother too, uh, we'd be like, all right, let's ante up. And we start, we would do it just for fun, just to see what it would be. And uh, you're supp- I think the rule was you're supposed to do it, like it can't be um, a basic land, was the only rule. So you could right. still have like fireball i don't care i have 30 of those and your opponent would be like force of nature oh that's a ten dollar no. card <laughs> yeah. like it was it was really unfair and we would do it just to laugh about like no no you are not getting my card and also also it was a game where that could happen right like i put out this rare you put out this common and it's like oh, let's play this game and then you get uh how do i put this delicately screwed with the land right <laughs> where, where like that happens in magic where you just you your hands are completely tied you just you have a terrible shuffle and like your deck is amazing but you know these <laughs> the rng basically just uh messes you up and then you just lose and you can feel um cheated right yeah the only way to play magic is over the course of many games because that's the only way that it's going to be fair yeah right yeah, I would do that where uh, my friends and I would be like, you know, um, we'd have these three decks we want to play with. You know, I got to like, oh, I love playing with my black deck. I really want to try my new red and green deck. And I got this new white angel deck I want to try. And you'd play like two games with your new black deck and they both just go horribly. And you're like, I, I, I'm not satisfied. Like, I, I haven't played the combos <laughs> I wanted to and I didn't get the deal, like the cards I was expecting, you know. So, uh, something else my brother and I did while we were here is that, uh, I think it was either last Christmas or Christmas before, like he bought me a deck builders kit of magic. Oh. Cause I didn't have any of my cards anymore. Yeah. And so what we did is we took this, this comes with like 300 or so uh, some odd cards and we took all the cards and we both made a deck and then we play like two games with that deck each and then we'd swap and yeah. I'd play with the deck he built and then we'd face each other again, you know, and we could kind of like. Uh, see who came out on top based on you know we played two games with both decks on both sides so who who was it who won i don't remember oh i thought you're gonna be i did <laughs> i don't remember <laughs> i know <clears throat> awesome 
I think in the case that we played, the deck that I built was stronger. So I think that when I played with it, I won. And when he played with it, he won. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. And it could have just been like the matchup was weird. Yeah. Uh, the weird thing about like the, the deck builders kit is you can really only have like about two, maybe three complete decks at a time. I see. Otherwise, you have to break it down and, you know. Yeah. They're pretty cool, though. Yeah, it's it's pretty, it's really fun, actually. Because I don't really have like a magic card collection anymore. It's more like I have this deck builders kit. And it's almost like a board game. Yeah. It's this little self-contained um, number of magic cards that's enough to make uh, a few different kinds of decks of a few different colors. And I'm not going to collect any more cards, but like when my brother comes to town, you know, we can just bust out that deck builders kit, break all the decks down, make some new decks. And, you know, you have that fun of like making a deck and then playing with it right away. Yeah. I've, so. I've still got a collection of cards, but I feel how you do where I don't feel like I actually have cards because I cannot play with people anymore who, who play right. today. You know, like I have decks that I thought like they were okay at the time. I had pretty high win ratios and I understood the rules and everything. And uh, the game has just changed so much. And it's not just the powerful cards and stuff. It's also the rules and the flavor text. And like, if you miss even one expansion that introduces a new rule, which is very common, you know, you'll see like, uh, like I'll start playing and they put a card down. It's like two, two rush. And I'm like, I don't know what rush is. <laughs> is that like first strike? <laughs> Help me out. And like the, the ex- explanation, like when they first launch a new feature in an expansion set, they'll say the term, you know, like f- first strike or trample or something in parentheses, they'll put what it does. But they drop that eventually, and once they get to that point, which like I'm, I'm there. <laughs> like I, I haven't, I haven't uh, kept up in so long that uh, I have to read like every single card, and it becomes like, you know, do you want to play some magic? And I'm like, sure, I'd like to read a book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I think that it's one thing that uh, is simultaneously interesting and bad about magic is the level of complexity. Yeah, like I mean, on one can, hand, it's really interesting, but on the other hand, uh, it does create a lot of problems. The fact that it keeps changing is one of the things that keeps it alive. Um, I'll put... I'm not going to be able to find this article. I hope I can, but there was this really interesting thing I saw about um, kind of how Magic the Gathering has remained afloat, and it comes down to, like, uh, tournament-specific rules, card limits, card bannings, um, this progression they have where the cards increasingly get better and better that is part of it you know keeping people interested um but basically it came down to like they knew it could have been a company or a product that kind of um you know burned really hot for a short period of time right but it wouldn't necessarily be this evergreen game but they uh, made these decisions and implemented um, these plans to make it a game that could have longer legs and live for much much longer Right. Pretty smart. It's very smart, yeah. Yeah. So, Kind of the um, economy of it and stuff. I think that for the game that my brother and I were working on, you know, one of our core tenets was to keep it extremely simple. I like simple. Um, One, just because, you know, my experience as a game designer (laughs) says to me that if I don't, it's going to go very badly. Yeah. (laughs) So the last two board games my wife and I tried to play, they both kind of suffered from the, I don't know what you call this, but like overwhelming rules basically right the most recent one uh, a friend gifted us this uh game looks really interesting it's called pixel tactics it's a card game i think this was the third version and uh we opened up this giant mat which on the other side is all these instructions and we were you're a giant uh, mat (laughs) uh i'm I'm kind of a medium-sized mat that's true average height average build (laughs) uh (laughs) man jeff (laughs) 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Your comedy is killing my, my card game conversation. <laughs> oh, um, but we, we were, we had some drinks. We were probably a little tipsy. It's probably not a be- the best idea to play a card game or, uh, that's not true. To learn a new game, right, I'll yeah. say. Maybe Let's not get the best drunk time. and learn some rules. Right. And on, on this uh, medium-sized mat on the back, it uh, had a you know website where it was like, you can just watch a video instead of reading all this. And I'm like... <laughs> We're like great let's do that so we pulled up the youtube video and it's 10 minutes oh, no. of like and it's the kind of video where it's like it's real fast do you want to be hitting pause and being like what's he okay where's he talking about there's that thing here are those cards you know what i mean right yeah we were like nope it ain't happening and um i think it says a lot where we went we went to timeline this timeline is one of the simplest games i can imagine yeah that's very cool you have like no you don't need to know anything almost except for you know where when things happened take a guess <laughs> and it's right. like it's the kind of rule where like uh if you don't really know you can at least make a stab in the dark yeah and man i i gotta uh, timeline's really great the stabs in the dark are sometimes hilarious you know like oh wow i was off by 65 million years <laughs> <laughs> i was nowhere near correct when did the last tyrannosaurus rex die off in 1700s <laughs> i think i think i swear i saw one the other day yeah um some other questions I kind of want to ask about your game, just to kind of s- help solidify it in my mind. Um, you have a hand limit, yes, um, or is it infinite? I am trying to remember if there's a hand limit or not. I think that there probably is or would be. That's always been one of those things I think is interesting. Like, like any number is inherently arbitrary. You, it needs to be backed up with just you know hardcore gameplay. Right. Like I, feeling, you know? I don't think that we've played enough to know what that limit should be. So right now there really isn't, you know? That's actually a really great answer, I got to say. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a work in progress. We don't know yet. Uh, so is it the kind of game where when it's your turn, the first thing you do is draw a card? Yes. And the fa- are there phases? Is it like... There are phases. So it's your turn now. Now you have to upkeep where you, you know, you add your counters and you flip your buildings and then you draw? Or like, how does that work? Um, I think that you basically, you like count your counters first and then you draw and then you play i actually gotcha. have uh, a document i will look it up real quick and <laughs> look it up i will tell you exactly what the rules for the game are my wife and i have uh, this thing where uh, we'll ask each other something you know and sometimes we know like <clears throat> as people who know things uh like she, her specialties are like you know user research and that kind of stuff and she's she has more nerd knowledge about certain things so i'll ask her and like uh our thing in the household is if we don't know we just say look it up look it up and it's like it's like the worst answer like no just told me to look it up okay so here's the How rule book you? it's actually pretty simple i'm just gonna read it to you verbatim okay rule book <laughs> yay <laughs> overview much fanfare that's right. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Each player has a castle consisting of four building slots and four action slots. The game is won by the first player to increase the value of their keep to 30 or more. I see. Deck. Decks must contain 30 cards total and no more than two of any given card, which is nice. kind of hearthstone We kind of thought about that, and, you know, this is a number that could probably change over time. I feel like it's a, it's a decent default, though, because, you know, 30, you know, we don't have mana. So, I mean, like, going to, like, 40 or 60 or something is kind of a lot. And um, I really like Hearthstone's, like, two limit of any card, Max. Mm-hmm, yeah. Because two is a very easy number to kind of keep track of. You know, you're like, okay, I already saw one fireball. I know there's only one more coming. It allows you to make more... Uh, it, it allows you to make easier judgments. Whereas yeah. with four cards of any kind in Magic, it's like it kind of gets a little more... Yeah. 
like there's larger deck sizes and there's more cards allowed of each type and so you can kind of feel like how many goddamn fireballs are there in this deck <laughs> uh, my friends and i used to play uh just you know before no there were these tournament <laughs> rules yeah well we i used to have a lightning bolt deck just because i could make one oh, and it was Jesus. so obnoxious it wasn't fun to play or play against at all <laughs> lightning and bolt, then lightning bolt, they, lightning bolt. yeah it, then they launched these tournament rules which limited it to four of any kind and that felt much better you know like yeah. we weren't playing tournaments it was an optional rule you didn't have to necessarily use or not but i definitely think it made deck building just you know <laughs> less stupid <laughs> well it's like it, it gives you trade-offs right like it imposes limitations yeah. on you and you have to make choices which is a lot of fun yeah and i think the limit uh the further limit of two is is just even better honestly because it just increases the variety because these are you know card games sometimes have thousands and thousands of cards you know it's like don't have 10 of something like diversify Right. And two, yeah, two is a good number, you know, I yeah. think. Anyways, um, we kind of just went with that because it felt good. We both played Hearthstone. We both liked that rule. And so we kind of just yeah. kind of co-opted it. <laughs> um, set up. Each player shuffles their deck and draws three cards. The second player draws an extra card. Interesting. Um, and so basically, you know, in any kind of like game where you have one person going, like there's always a first mover advantage. Always, always, always. In, Pretty much. In any yeah. turn-based game. Um, basically and so there are different ways to combat that and this is the way that we did it first which is that you just get an extra card as a second player um, but that's kind of a rule that would need to tweak over time you know like that's the kind yeah. of rule where you'd need a lot of play testing to say okay statistically over the course of like 500 games <laughs> what it, it is the win ratio 50 50 and if it's not yeah. it means that you know <laughs> the second player has a distinct disadvantage or advantage and so we need to like change that up it's either too powerful of an, a bump or, or not powerful enough right yeah that's uh that's gonna be hard to balance yeah uh and then the turn detail so the first oh i guess the first phase is draw so players draw a card from their deck then the second phase is pass time players uh place one time counter on each inactive card in their keep so for See, each building you have face down, it's kind of in the build mode or each action that's like in the, you know, the build mode, you put a, a time counter on it. Yeah, yeah. Then there's the activate phase. Players can activate one or more cards within their keep, which have a number of time counters equal or greater to than their time cost. Uh, activated actions are resolved immediately and discarded. Hmm. So basically when you activate a building, it just comes into play and it could have like, a, you know, an ability that happens right when it, comes into play or can have an ability right. that happens every turn or you know there's there's various things that can happen um yeah and actions as soon as you activate it you do whatever that action is and then you discard that action i see um then you accumulate value player adds the value of all active buildings in their keep to their value total um, which again value is kind of the win condition right and then you have your action phase which is player can play up to two cards one building and one action to the appropriate slots in their keep nice yeah so there's like no mana, um, and you can only ever play uh, one action and one building per turn, and you have a limited number of those things that could be on the board at once. Um, something else that we did, though, uh, was that some cards have like building requirements. <clears throat> so like there might be an action in the game that says, well, you must have at least one commerce building in order to play this action. Oh, so that's yeah. kind of the way that like we gate stuff, like higher level cards. Right. And so that requirement is factored into the stat budget for a card. So, for example, like, you know, if you have a, like a card might cost two turns 
and it also requires a um, one commerce building in play in order to activate. I see. And uh, the time cost and the requirement of having a commerce building in play give you a pool of you know card points with which to to create. And so, just inherently, uh, that card is going to be more powerful than a card that only takes two turns and has no building requirements. Nice. And so the building requirements could be really anything. You know, it could be like uh, you need to have one commerce building, you need to have two commerce buildings, you need to have, you know, uh, no commerce buildings, you know, and then that's kind yeah. of ways that the, the cards can harmonize within the categories, you know. So, like, you know, let's say there's a tax collector action, and but you can only play the tax collector action if you had three commerce buildings in play. So you'd want to stack your deck with commerce buildings in order to, you know, harmonize with that card. Nice. Hmm. Um you know, similarly, you could do other stuff where you could say, like, this is like a, I think there's like a, um, some kind of like criminal, I think there's a criminal category, which was like, you know, thievery and thugs and stuff. And you know, maybe you could say, um, you can only play this card if you don't have any commerce buildings. I mean, there's lots of different right. stipulations you could make in order to create interesting situations for your deck building, like, uh, you know, you want to take this card because it works well with this other card or not. Yeah. If you want to play this certain style, you can't have any commerce buildings or whatever. So th- so the skin is medieval fantasy? Yeah. Of nice. course. <laughs> Gotta love medieval <laughs> yeah. fantasy. It's like our default. We've we've tried some other things. We actually made a uh, kind of a building destruction puzzle game called Midtown Mayhem that never saw the light of day. I was actually playing that the other day. Um, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> I just That's crazy. I had it on my You're, phone and I was like just you know laying there and I was like kind of bored. On Android? Yeah, on Android, yeah. And so I just I played through it. It's actually, you know, I had a little fun. I, th- I thought it was really satisfying mechanic. It's it's just fun to smash buildings. Like it, it is. is. Yeah. It's a <clears throat> it's actually not a bad game, I think. I mean, in general, like it, it needs a lot more work. Like the there's not a whole lot of content there and like there's the re- re- like progression and the rewarding isn't that great, but like the core mechanic right. is fun. Like just using your thumbs like smash, 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 smash. It's yeah, and I can't think of any other game quite like it. Mm-hmm. You did kind of uh, you had this system where you, you kind of created procedural content, sort of. Yes, it, it was fundamentally flawed. I'm trying to remember here; it's been a couple of years, but it was like uh, puzzles could be created that you could essentially just not be able to five star, which that would be really frustrating, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we could maybe make a. Um, what was that written in? Was that gin? Is that is that even salvageable, or is that just lost in the sea of code and time? No, that's a, it's completely salvageable. It's written in our. I mean, I'm sure that the updates to gin broke some things. Yeah, um, but I think by and large, you know, it, it would just take. You know, there might just be like, oh, this API call slightly changed. Right. Gin has been like fairly stable. Um, you know, in general, uh, over the last in general in, in general. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> sorry you know over the course of the last you know year and a half probably yeah i mean it hasn't seen um much progress really not progress but like it hasn't seen much activity so it has been very stable and it's uh it's used to power a game that has seen a lot of um usage so it's really gotten kicked around right very stable yeah, and the api you know is mature at this point i mean it's not not that it's ideal <laughs> or the best api in the world but uh at the very least, it it is something that is um, kind of consistent. Yeah. We meant to play your card game local. There was this one time, um, we've been visiting each other once in a while. We kind of live just a couple of hours apart, so a uh, monthly or so-ish. 
And uh, there was this one day I, I came over to San Diego and like, we didn't, we didn't remember. We used to have these things um, when we go to, when, went to each other's houses more often where it was like an agenda. Mm-hmm. And we'd have like, here's the five things. We have to talk about these two business decisions. We need to talk about this game design problem. And then we need to, you know, fix some bugs, or write some code or whatever. And we had like a bunch of things like we need to talk about Wii U. We need to talk about this new game design or blah, blah. And one of them was play your card game because that's, you know, best in real life probably, right? Oh, yeah. And we did nothing. We, we, like, none of those things. We, we just talked about, I think it was probably the next project. Yeah. Because we were just so amped up on it. And, uh, you know, like, we hang out a lot. But the the, the personal time is, like, a rare uh, item these days. It's always interesting to me how much more fluid the conversation is in person. You know, I think we yeah. can have uh, really good conversations on Skype. Yes. But uh, there's just really no replacement for like being in the same room as the person and like, you know, cause there's like, there's no quality loss, you know, there's no lag. There's yeah. no, like I started talking over you. Right. Uh, or I didn't understand what you said or like, I can't really read your body language or whatever, you know? Yeah. There's a lot to that. You know, there, there really is like your stance, your body language, your, your facial expressions. And like when we, when we podcast, we, we, uh, want to keep the internet connection as good as we can and so we don't actually do any video right yeah so i don't know what your face looks like you could be mocking me this whole time i'm picking my nose actually (laughs) good to know good to know i'll put that in the show notes (laughs) i don't really know know what to do with that (laughs) so you said you got to the point where um you have your rules set and like you were talking about not everything is written in stone or completely solidified but like what does the content crunch look like for you? Do you, you, you need to design a card and then play test it. And once you get to the point where you like it, then you just need to get some art and solidify it. And then you're done, right? Pretty much. I mean, we Art is something that's not even on the table right now, just because yeah, yeah. it's all mechanics based. But yeah. Well, it's just, it's fluff and polish, right? There's no reason for you to do it until you have a game that's really robust and tested and you know it's good, right? Right. So right now, uh, I think we kind of identified, like, I think there's three categories of cards. I think there's war, which is uh, buildings and activities that are focused on either damage or defense. Right. And there's commerce, which is buildings that are primarily focused on generating value or manipulating value somehow. And then walls? Oh, uh, well, walls are, are generally part of uh, war. Oh, so what's the third category? third category is, uh, I think, criminal activities. Criminal? What? You haven't talked about that. Yeah. What is this? Well, it's what, what what does a criminal activity look well, like? Well, they do things like they either like mess with time or hmm. I think they also mess with value a little bit too. I see. Um they're really just like it, you can kind of think about like colors in magic, right? Like red yeah. is focused on like killing things and direct damage spells and like there's no healing in red. Yeah. And then, you know, green is focused on like life-giving and stuff like that. And so that's kind of how our system works where war cards are generally focused on like, you're not going to see any war buildings with a high value cost. Like war buildings are not going to increase the value of your keep very high, but they will keep it safe from your opponent or they will uh, allow you to destroy some of your opponent's buildings. Um, but if you went all war cards, you would never win the game because you would not be generating any value for yourself. So, do you have, like, a short-term goal with it? You, like, I'm, I'm sure you have a, a portion of cards right now, but, say, do you know how many you would need to make, say, like, your first expansion set? I, I don't know. That's <laughs> that's what's been really hard is that, you know, how many cards of each category and, you know, um, 
the more cards you design, the harder it becomes to design new cards. Yeah. It's like, well, we already have a card like this. So, like, where does this particular card fit into the scheme of things? And because we haven't had a lot of time to actually play test, a lot of the ideas for cards that we've come up with are kind of sitting in the spreadsheet. You know, we've given them stat budgets and we kind of decide what they should do and which category they're going to fall into. Um, and then we have this column that's like draft. And so we, we've created a bunch of cards and we're like, okay, these cards sound good, but they've never seen a play test. And so they're just going to sit in this draft category until we're able to do that. Right. So it's kind of a slow going process for us. Interesting. Um, just because, you know, we're not one due to real life and then two due to the location. We're not able to like kind of play test as easily as we'd like. Yeah. Don't you just wish you could live near everyone that you'd like to spend time with? Yeah. You know, like uh, a lot of my friends are, are back in uh, Illinois and there's, there's just like, it's hard. I mean, these days I can, I'm sure I could figure it out, but like my wife couldn't. There's just the jobs that we want to have wanted to do throughout our careers don't exist there. Right, yeah. You know, so like your choice is, do you want to, you want to have a good career or do you want to be near your family and friends? It's like, it's a tough call sometimes. It is. And you know, there's other things to consider too. Like, you know, where are you most happy? cold warm beach not yeah you know, like yeah that's a big part of it yeah because like even here in la uh andrea and i are like it is too cold <laughs> what is this <laughs> what is wrong with you <laughs> this is ridiculous i'm shivering Los <laughs> <laughs> Angeles is so hot it is but not in the winter not in april so much i don't know man and not by the beach i live like 12 blocks from the beach in santa monica and i was always hot even in like January, February? I don't remember. I this see. was like <laughs> seven years ago. <laughs> this is like in the 70s. This <laughs> is the 70s. I'm actually like 50. I've, I've been lying yeah. to you. I was, I was alive in the 70s. I just had lots of great plastic surgery. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't look a day over 60. Oh, thanks. So what do you, what do you see the future for, uh, for, your, for your card game? Um, is it vaporware? Which, you know, and does that work with if it's not software? Is it trashware? <laughs> I, I don't think it's exactly it be vaporware because we made cards, we made rules, and we have enough cards and enough rules that we were able to play the game start to finish Ooh. and have wins and losses. You know, like the game, the game technically exists, it's playable, you can win, you can lose. It's not the greatest game on the planet, but it's definitely not vaporware, you know? So you're saying it is the greatest game, game on the planet? That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> Um, wow you should really like launch that you should release it i mean obviously it's vaporware in the sense that like it's not going to come to stores anytime soon yeah yeah uh so what what do you like what do you think the chances are that you'll finish it or is it like because there's a lot of value in just doing it spending time with your brother like it was fun it doesn't have to ever get finished but i'm just kind of wondering because um especially where we're at in our careers any project getting finished comes down to like you know if we can afford to pay rent and we have some wiggle room in there, that's great. But it comes down to just the motivation and the blood and the sweat, right? Like there are some things in the back of your mind. Like I know this is true for me and it's true for you too. Like I will get this done someday. You know what I mean? And is it more there for you? Or are you like, you know, it was fun and maybe I'll touch it or like where are you at? I think somewhere halfway in between. It's more like it's fun. It's something I like to do with my brother. I would like to spend more time on it because I enjoy doing it with him. Yep. And uh, I think it would be cool if it was ever something that could be brought to market. However, yeah. I know what that would take. <laughs> uh, 
And I also don't know what that would take because I've never launched a physical game product before. Oh, that's the thing. Yeah, it would be full of uh, unknown unknowns. Right. So, I mean, right? I'm a little skeptical that it's something that will ever, like, you know, be published. Um, so, yeah. it kind of sits somewhere between I really want to work on it more because I think it's fun and interesting and it's a good time. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> probably not getting launched well, I think any time spent on that is is really a win because as we were talking about in uh, episode 121, there is some tempering value to the traditional uh, media when, when you spend your life you know, like making your living in the digital. You know, like there, it's so easy to see how there could be some really valuable learnings and takeaways from your time spent with your card game. Totally. And I mean, it's something that could easily be translated into you know, a digital game, perhaps, you know, that might be the way to launch it, mm, right? Yeah. Is that it's a PVP game. Here's, here's a question. Do you think it would be, w- which version of the game would be easier for you to take to the finish line? And I'm talking about an MVP, you know, like your first expansion, it's, it's pretty minimal. It's kind of smallish, but there is like, you're saying a full flow. You can play the game from start to finish, you know, but like, uh, taking that to the finish line, do you think they'd be harder with physical cards or, harder making it digitally probably harder making it digitally just because it is a multiplayer game like it's meant to be Mm. you know you versus a real life opponent i see so if it was like local version that might be simpler digital but because of the complexity of like remote online multiplayer yeah i think i see Hmm. what about uh unity and it's because i know that it's got something to help with uh, you know, real-time multiplayer online, but I don't, I don't know anything about it. Hey, I don't. You know I, about I don't that? really know anything about it. I mean, I, I've kind of heard the same <laughs> stuff as you. Like, I think that Unity has some multiplayer aspects. Maybe <laughs> you just mark this little checkbox. It says make online right, multiplayer. Right, and then you're done. Okay, yeah. no problem. It just works. Right. <laughs> I'm sure it's that simple. <laughs> hey, yeah, no. I don't know. Um, I know that there are probably some capabilities there, but you know, again, I'm assuming that what happens on the game server is largely up to you. I'm assuming that Unity maybe has just, you know, it has some tooling for, you know, connecting to a server and pinging it and listing servers and... Yeah, like we would have heard of Unity server by now, right? Like if there was a version of Unity or some, you know, type of software that Unity makes that you can put on your server, like that would have bubbled up by now. Well, I mean, Unity itself is largely just uh visual stuff right it's very visually based whereas that just doesn't yeah. make sense on the server you know you'd be better off well some version of it you know like the the, the like the remote server version of linux like you know there is no desktop aspect to it but it, i'm just a stupid machine that'll sit here and take right. you know requests and send back data or whatever right like the physics something along those lines in part might make sense yeah depending like, on the game obviously right 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 um i think a turn-based game would, would be a good place to start multiplayer though obviously it definitely would be yeah, we've we've talked about that before. Um, our our inclination is to go straight to real time multiplayer, but that is just a way harder problem. It right? is. It's much much harder. Ugh. I don't know. I think we'll get there someday, though. Like the obvious future for us is three D and online multiplayer, but like we are we're just in, in this little egg right now. Yeah, <laughs> we need to hatch and uh, <laughs> get there eventually. Multiplayer is really interesting. Um, there's so many problems that come along with multiplayer, though. Like, yeah, we've talked before about how we just don't want that tax, you know? We don't want to get a, a text at 3 in the morning and be like, your server's down, your players are angry, and you're losing money. 
Like, I want to be able to go to bed and wake up. Like, you know, someday maybe, uh, hey, maybe we can hire someone to do that job for us or something. But as it is, we're just, we're so overworked. <laughs> as it is, we cannot afford that kind of like tax on, on every day. You want to wake up in the morning and check the forums and then see that your players are angry. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I like, I like to receive my hate mail, you know. Over breakfast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's some truth to yeah. that. <laughs> uh, Good times. It hurts. Right anyways uh, so yeah. uh pretty cool i'm uh i'm anxious to play your card game actually i'll be in san diego for uh, a handful of days um andrea's going to a user research thingy some kind of convention or whatnot and uh i'll be tagging along and hanging out with you and uh that's when we should do the card i think game. it'll be out of town those days <laughs> like i don't know when but i think i'm oh, busy yeah. when is it this <laughs> summer no i'm gone yeah, all summer. All summer. <laughs> I'm going to Alaska. I'm going places. Right. Goodbye. <laughs> no, yeah. That'd be fine. So, uh, I think next episode, I'm going to ask you about esports because you said you wanted to talk about it. I don't know anything about it, so I'm interested to see uh, what in the world you're talking about there. It's, uh, it's pretty fun. I've been playing a lot of Heroes of the Storm. This is just to kind of set this up. You know, I've been playing a lot of Heroes of the Storm, which is kind of a kind of competitive esportsy game. I know, like, I know the games that get played, and I know a little bit about them. Like, I have actually played League of Legends and some of those, but, like, when it comes to the... Because it's basically, like, esports are very quickly becoming a digital version of actual sports, like football. There are stars, there are celebrities, there are teams that are, you know, you think you're going to win, there are, you can place bets, and there's big cash prizes, and it's, it's legit. Yeah, totally. We should play Heroes of the Storm together. Oh, you're going to kill me. No, I mean, to, like, you, you and I are the same team. Oh, cool. I'm, I'm on board for that. So, it's like a, it's a team-based game. It's like 5v5. I see. Cool. And so, like, when I play with my brother, my brother and I play a lot, but we always play on the same team. Is it uh, free-to-play? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I've got no excuses. I should definitely try that out. Maybe uh, we'll take a day. That, we could do, like, a live stream. We could just play, uh, oh, we could. play Heroes of the Storm together. Yeah. Watch Jeff know what he's doing and watch Matt embarrass himself. <laughs> great uh well thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed <clears throat> wow Jesus. man that horse just came running <laughs> right, right at the finish line <laughs> wondering where the horse was uh, let's try that again <clears throat> Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the card game talk. Um, don't forget to visit us on the forum at forum.lostdecadegames.com. I hope everybody's liking Arcade Attack as much as I am. I'm loving it. Um, you are being played out with Manta Ray's Reward. This is a remix from Mario Super Mario 64. It's one of my favorite games, and this is one of my favorite songs in that game. So uh, hope you like it, and uh, we'll see you next week. Ship it.
Ray's reward. What? That's the song where people can play that with. Oh. What the hell are you talking about? What are you talking about, Matt? I tell him that. Why so stupid? <laughs> oh, I love it. <clears throat> it's early in the morning for you. It is. I haven't had breakfast or coffee or anything, too. Me neither. I just kind of rolled out of bed, walked the dog, and I'm sitting here sweaty. I have. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, I have Mio That's about it Oh I see So you're just gonna be abusive <laughs> I'm like an abusive drunk <laughs> But for with caffeine You don't know what you're talking about yeah. That's you're Mox Stupid <laughs> Nah I love you <laughs> Come here give me a hug <laughs> Blah <laughs> <laughs>